We've heard the stories told, and we have heard the song sung. But when it comes to going and surrendering our lives, we often choose to back away and pass it by. But the Lord is here today, and He has something to say. He has a question just for you and I. Your life, do you use it for my good? Are you doing what you should to tell the world that I'm the only It's a joy and a privilege to be here with you this morning. Let's open our Bibles, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20. It's the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20. And yes, you got to meet my, my uh, I love my family, amen. My wife, Kelly, my oldest son, Luke, he's the one that wrote the song. And then Logan and Leah, all L names. We used to have two cats, Leo and Lucy, and whoever got in trouble, I threw out L names till I got whoever I wanted, Amen. Uh, but we are the Saunders family. We're sent out of Bible Baptist Church 
and uh, we are serving through Macedonia World Baptist Missions. And uh, yes, your dear pastor and his wife and uh, Miss Robin have known me since, yes, since I had hair. And uh, it didn't last long, amen. I just praise the Lord I got married before I lost it all. Um, but uh, I will give you my testimony and then I'll share our ministry as, as pastor said tonight. I did not grow up here in the United States. I'm a third generation missionary. Um, I grew up in the Bahamas. I don't know what some of you are thinking, right, Brother Nathan, you are suffering for Jesus. Well, I will tell you that the Bahamas is truly paradise. It is, it is an incredible place. Um, but we didn't have cruise ships back then. We had fishing boats, and we didn't have tourists. We had mosquitoes that haul you off and consume your body. Uh, I, the island I grew up on was called Long Island. It was a very primitive island. No running water, no electricity. That means, ladies, you cannot use a curling iron, okay? And for you guys, that means no air conditioning. And it was rough. That's where I grew up. But my parents took me there when I was three. My dad was a bush pilot and a church planter. And my dad planted Macedonia Baptist Church in a settlement called Dead Man's Key on an island called Long Island. Took a lot of imagination for naming the place. Um, but it was there at the age of five that I trusted Christ as my Savior. It was a Thursday night. My dad was preaching hell hot and heaven sweet. And when my dad gave the altar call, I didn't walk down the aisle. I ran down the aisle and I began to pull my dad's pant leg. And my dad, my dad was just trying to, to carry out this invitation to lost people. And my dad said, all heads bowed and all eyes closed. He was going to deal with his son. He leaned over to me. He said, what is the matter? I said, Daddy, I'm lost. And I, I want to know how to go to heaven. And my dad took the precious word of God and shared with me how I could know that heaven could be my home. And it was that day that I asked Christ to come to my heart. And I, I've never been the same since. And when I came back to the States, I was 15. My, my dad did what every missionary dreamed of doing, and that was turning the church over to a national pastor. We came back to, to the United States, and, and, and at that time, our sending church was Faith Baptist Church. And at that time, Dr. Gerald Mitt was our pastor. And I mean, listen, the church was running strong then. It was, I think it was like 200, 300 strong. I don't remember. All I remember is this. I wasn't singing. My dad realized something was wrong with me, so he leaned over. He says, are, are you okay? This is what I said. Daddy, they're all white. <laughs> I had never seen that many white people before in my life, and I was scared to death. My parents, they did something amazing. They put me in a Christian school and, uh, in Beaufort, Georgia, and... Uh, uh, it was there that I heard my principal say these words just about every chapel service. He said, you have two choices on the shelf, choosing God or choosing self. Which will you choose? And I'm grateful I chose the things of God. At the age of 15, I surrendered to be a missionary. And at the age of 16, I surrendered to preach. And I've been doing it ever since. And I praise the Lord for it. Revelation chapter 20. Will you look with me here in verse 11? As our eyes are cast upon the Word of God, I, I want you to take notice of these words. Now listen, as we read these words together, the Bible says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, by the way, that's Christ, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. 
And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, notice what verse 15 says. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And I saw a new heaven, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Notice verse 4, and this is where we'll take our text. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Here in verse 4, look with me at the very first part of the verse. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. May we go to the Lord together in prayer. Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the, the music we've heard. Lord, from the congregational music to the choir music to the special music. Lord, we've offered up this sacrifice of praise and we already feel your presence in this place. Now, God, I beg you this morning, please, Lord, have your will and your way. Lord, pass upon this place like a tidal wave. Go by every pew. Lord, touch every heart. Lord, for those that are lost, I pray, Lord, may you show them the need of a Savior. And Lord, those that have already trusted Christ, Lord, may you break our hearts for the souls of men this morning. Lord, we love you. We give you all praise and honor and adoration and glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want to preach on this thought just for a little bit. Cry now. Or cry later. Cry now or cry later. We see here in the Word of God that there is, in verse 11 of chapter 20, it says a great white throne. When it's all said and done, when we're all standing before God, there will be two judgments that will take place. There is the judgment seat of Christ. That is for those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. We will be judged for what we've done for the sake of the gospel. This is a missions conference, is it not? This is the time where we challenge the church to go beyond themselves and, and to take the glorious gospel to a lost and dying world. But then there's the great white throne judgment. I will tell you, there, there are going to be several that are going to be there. Special individuals, special parties that will be there. First of all, the most important one is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is He who will sit upon the throne. I don't know how it's going to be set up. I don't know if the, the great, I would probably venture to say because Christ is the very one who will sit upon that throne. It will probably be front and center. The angels will be there. They're the very ones who stand in the presence of God and give adoration and praise. And Not that he ever needs guards, but I will say the angels of God are something to be reckoned with. Everywhere in the Word of God you ever find the angels ever show their appearance. The Bible talks about how men and women would either fall upon their face in fear or they would flee. They'll be there. But I also want you to know that you and I will also be there. You say, but Brother Saunders, 
I thought you said that we're not being judged. Those of us who trusted Christ, we're not being judged at the great white throne judgment, but you and I will be there. You say, how do you know that? Chapter 21, what does the Bible say? And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That will be you and I. But then from all, all corners of the world, all nations, all tongues, does not matter what language they speak, does not matter their skin color, it doesn't matter where they're from. If they're lost, they will come one by one. Listen now, can you hear the jingles of the chains of sin between their wrists and their ankles? I would imagine that that great, white, that, that, that great angel would probably stand off to the side of the great white throne and the Lord will call out a name. And one by one they will come into the presence of an almighty God. And God will say, is His name found written in the book of life? I would imagine that angel would go through the pages of history and time. No, it is not, my Lord. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Angels cast in the lake of fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. And the saddest part is, we would look at this and go, well, we don't know who those people are. They speak other languages. They, they live in other countries. But shall I make it a little bit more personal today? Because this entire conference is geared around a particular country. And may I say it is very fitting that today is Patriot Day. It is 9-11. Yes. This is when many of our own countrymen slipped out into eternity. All of us remember where we were on 9-11. I was in Bible college. Remember to this day when one of our professors came busting through the doors and said that our nation was under attack. Many of our first responders, with great courage and tenacity, climbed those stairs going after our countrymen to help them to escape, and many of them perished. I will tell you that our country is still under attack. Within the chambers of darkness, Satan and his demons still wage war against the United States of America. I have a question for you. What will you and I do? Just as my family sang, what is your life? Will you use it for my good? Time is of the essence. We're running out of time. If you haven't figured out yet, things within our country, they're not getting better, they're getting worse. In fact, that's what the Bible says. It will wax worse. There's going to come a day that our very own countrymen will stand before a holy, righteous, sovereign God. And God will say to many of them, men, women, boys, and girls, are their names found written in the book of life? And it is a shame to you and I that many of them will perish in the flames of hell. But I must make it even more personal. How many of you would hold your hands up and say, Brother Nathan, I have lost family members, friends, co-workers. Will you hold your hands up? You know they're lost. You know they're lost. How sad would it be at the close of this service 
there was a message on your cell phone that that very person that, that means the world to you had taken their last breath and slipped out into eternity. So, but Brother Saunders, they'll get a second. No, they won't get a second chance. They Listen, hey, could you imagine? You and I are standing there at that great white throne. We're standing on the sidelines watching it. You and I are clothed in robes of white. See, in Ezekiel chapter 33, the Bible describes you and I as watchmen. And the Bible says as watchmen, if we don't herald out that, that warning, that cry, the gospel, if you would, if we don't herald that out, the Bible says He required their blood at our hands. All of a sudden, you hear that, that precious name called out. You and I are standing among the throng of, I don't know how many saints. And all of a sudden, you hear drip. Drip, drip, and you look at your hands, and your hands are covered in blood. You know, red sticks out like a sore thumb when you're wearing white. You know what? I truly believe that some of those very individuals, our countrymen, may very well pass by some of you and point their finger at you. Listen, the chains of sin jingle between their wrists and their ankles. They have no choice. That judgment will still take place. And as they pass by, I wonder if they would lock eyes with some of you. They say, you went to Hushin Baptist Church. Why, why didn't you give me a track? We, we were neighbors. Well, why, didn't you, why didn't you invite me to church? We played basketball together. We were on the same team. Why did you never tell me your testimony? And here they wear the chains of sin and they stand before the presence of a holy, righteous, sovereign God. And you know what they're still going to hear? Those same horrific words. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Angels cast them in the lake of fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. And they're gone. So the message is very simple this morning. Cry now or cry later. Either we will cry now for the souls of men. And I have a question for you. How long has it been since you cried over someone's soul? How long has it been since you found a place in an old-fashioned altar and bowed your head and wept bitter tears over them? How long has it been since you went after them and said, you know what, I'm going to be determined to reach them with the gospel? How long has it been? Why is it that our country is falling by the wayside? Because we have lost our tears. God help us this morning that God would break the hearts of Houston Baptist Church. And that we would cry now because later it will be too late. Open your Bibles to Psalms 126. First of all, I want you to see the cry of the Christian. The cry of the Christian. Psalms 126. Psalms 126. Verse 5, the Bible states this, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now when we read these words, it's very hard for us to fathom. Well, Brother Saunders, why does it say, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy? I mean, that's kind of an oxymoron, don't you think? 
I mean, tears and joy, they don't kind of go together, do they? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that bring us joy. How many hunters do we have here this morning? Hey, man, I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. Yeah. And listen, hey, 13 years in Montana, I've shot just about everything under the sun. I got a 6x6 mule deer sitting on the wall right now. He's 24 inches across, 27 inches high. His neck is about that big around. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I, I, I shot a 400-pound sow black bear. Probably one of the greatest adrenaline dumps I've ever had. I've shot antelope. I mean, I, I've shot elk. Those things bring joy. There's nothing like looking through the scope, hunting down that animal, and squeezing the trigger. It's an incredible, it gives an incredible drilling rush. How many of y'all wish you still had the first car you bought? Be worth something today, wouldn't it? For some of y'all. Hey, man. How many of y'all got a lead foot? Come on now, don't lie, you're in the house of God. Anybody ever gotten a ticket coming to church? Listen, I'm a law enforcement chaplain as well. I, I served, I served the, some of the best men and women in uniform. Uh, for, for 10 years while we were there in Montana, and I just recently got my certification with the Georgia Association of Law Enforcement Chaplains, just about probably about a month, month and a half ago. How I became a chaplain, I've got a lead foot. I got pulled over in my own church parking lot on the way to church. Now, I'm just being honest with you. I, I love the speed. I mean, there's nothing like feeling the power of a vehicle. John Barnes was the deputy's name. He came over. He said, Mr. He said, he said, Sir, do you know you were speaking? I said, Yes. I'm shocked my wife didn't say, I, I tried to tell him because she did. She told me over and over and over again, You're going to get a ticket. Sure enough, it's a Wednesday night. People are showing up at church. There's the blue and red lights, and there's, there's Pastor Saunders. I gave him my, 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 my license, my registration, everything. I said, Sir, whatever you give me, I deserve. I said, but would it be okay if my wife and kids go on inside? I, I happen to be the pastor of this church. Looks at my license, looks at the church sign. He goes, you are the pastor. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't going well. They go on inside. People are showing up. Kids are looking out the window. And one kid says, ooh, pastor's in trouble. And that mama says, well, you don't know if he's in, if he's in trouble. He could be just talking to the officer. My wife says, oh, no, he's in trouble. <laughs> That officer walked over to me, he said, he said, Pastor Saunders, I could give you this ticket. He said, but you're going to get more of a punishment when you go inside there than you will if I give you this ticket. I said, you have no idea. He said, but I want to ask you a question. You're new, you're new to our valley. You just started this church. I want to ask you a very serious question. I said, sure. He said, what are you going to do different than all the other pastors here in the valley? I mean, that's a pretty good question. I sort of think quick on my feet. I said, do you guys have a law enforcement chaplain? He says, we only have one, but the county's so stretched. He said, are you considering? I said, yes, sir. He goes, I just happen to have his business card in my pocket. Call the man. I love speeding. I love, and by the way, becoming a law enforcement chaplain did not help my lead foot. It only made it worse, amen. There's nothing like doing 125 miles an hour down the highway to a call. I love adrenaline rushes. My, my family, they're, they're roller coaster fanatics. Any, anybody here love like Six Flags over Georgia? You like roller coasters? Raise your hands. Come on now. Okay. I even see some of you older ones. Man, I'm impressed. I grew up on a flat island. Flat, being low to the ground, you know? They love these things. We, listen, if we were to go to Six Flags over Georgia, y'all would hear some lady screaming her head off. It's not a lady, it's me. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the time we get on, the time we get on, ah! I mean, I'm screaming all the way. Can I tell you something? Listen, hey, there is something that brings me greater joy than any roller coaster I've ever been on, than any animal I've ever shot, than any car I've ever driven. You know what it is? It's taking the precious Word of God and sitting down with somebody that I've known for years or somebody I've never met and opening the Word of God and sharing with them how they can escape the flames of hell and know that heaven's their home. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Saunders, I am a drilling junkie. Man, I love nothing more than a drilling rush. You know what? You ought to go and ask your pastor, will you teach me how to lead others to Christ? I promise you, it'd be the closest thing to seeing your pastor turn Pentecostal. Amen? He'll get excited real quick. I'm just telling you, listen, there's nothing greater than sharing with a lost person how they can be gloriously saved. I'm telling you, that... Listen, is, is the greatest joy you'll ever experience. And will you weep tears? Oh, man, listen, tears of joy. And the Bible talks about bringing their sheaves with them. Listen, I don't know about you, but I, I, I love knowing the fact that when I get to heaven, I'm going to get a glorified body. How many of y'all was snap, crackle, and pop when you got up this morning? See, I, I did martial arts heavily when I was in Peru. I love to know what a man's made of. But I have abused this body. I can't wait to get a glorified one. Amen. I can't wait to see the saints of old. I can't wait to meet guys like Elijah and Elisha and David, a man after God's own heart. I can't, make, I can't wait to, to meet Samson. The, I, I'm, listen, the, the man of great strength. I can't, meet, I can't wait to meet the apostles and, and the disciples. And, and I, but, but most of all, I want to see Christ, the one who died for me. Joy. Bringing their sheaves with them. That, my friend, is the cry of the Christian. Number two, let's talk about the cry of the condemned. Look at me in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. How many of y'all remember from VBS John 3.16? Everybody? Let's quote it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, now let's quote John 3.18. Ready? I didn't think so. Very rare I can find somebody in the service that can. But it's only two, two verses from the love letter of the Bible. Let's look at it together, shall we? He that believeth on him is not condemned. Hallelujah, that's me this morning. I'm no longer condemned. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm an heir to the throne. I'm in the family of God. But then the verse continues on. But he that believeth not, what does the Bible say? He's condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You may be here this morning, you're lost. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You're condemned already. If you were to die right where you're sitting right now, you know the scariest part about that is? You would open your eyes in the flames of hell. Now, I need to bring it back to those who are part of the church, those who trusted Christ. I've had people ask me, Brother Saunders, what about those who've never heard? You know, like, like, like those that are in the villages in South America or in Africa. Well, what about those? Well, let me just tell you something. 
That saying we have, ignorance is bliss, it's not bliss. In fact, to be honest with you, ignorance is an eternity in the flames of hell. You say, Brother Saunders, well, whose fault is it that they've never heard? It's yours and mine. It's yours and mine. Because, see, listen, God gave you and I the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Let me put it in words that you, all of us will understand. How many Yankees do we have here this morning? Come on now, don't be ashamed. We know you're here amongst the... Okay, there, yeah, I see some more starting to raise their hands. They're looking around, make sure somebody else holds their hands with them. Let me put it in terms that you Yankees will understand. The Great Commission was given to you guys. Okay? How many Southerners we got here? Praise God. Amen. Yes. God gave the Great Commission to y'all. Anybody from North Carolina? Nobody? If I was preaching North Carolina, this is how I would say it. The Great Commission was given to you ones. It was given to each and every one of us. It's no longer saying the responsibility of the Great Commission is to the pastor. I'm sorry. Christ gave it to the church. That's each and every one of us. We are responsible. We're going to look. We've, we've seen the cry of the Christian. Here's, the, here's secondly the cry of the condemned. Look with me, look with me in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. See, Brother Saunders, where are we going now? We're going to the place called hell. It's, it's a real place. Just like Christian George is a real place, hell is a real place. And I love preaching on heaven, but I will tell you, Christ preached more on hell than He did on heaven. It's a real place. It, 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 is, not, it is not some way that we as preachers try to scare people into our churches. Listen, if that was the case, i got other ways of doing that. But I'm telling you, that that's not what God intended. God intended for us to preach the Word of God. And the Bible states this here in, in Luke chapter 16. Look at me in verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain uh, beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried into, by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Notice what the Bible says in verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. I will tell you that this man, his fortune was canceled. By the way, when you die, you don't take one penny with you when you go. You've been to a funeral, you notice they don't ever have U-Haul trucks there. They don't, because you're not taking any of it with you when you go. His fortune was canceled. His future is not changing. The Bible says, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes. His future is not changing. Oh, but Brother Saunders, oh, when, when, when I get to the gates of heaven, I, I'll beg St. Peter. I'm sorry, St. Peter ain't going to be at the gates of heaven. I could tell you that right now. You don't get a second chance. That's why the Bible says today 
is the day of salvation. You're not promised of tomorrow. In fact, the Bible even describes in the book of James in chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, knowing not that your lives are but a vapor, appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. His future is canceled. I'm sorry, his fortune is canceled. His future is not changing. Here's something else. His flame continues. But son, you're telling me you think that the rich man is still burning in hell today? That's exactly where he is. His flames continue. I know we have some firefighters that are here. Living in Montana, I met some of the greatest firefighters probably in the world. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter if we took all of the, the firefighters of the United States. Or firefighters of all the world for that matter. We put them all together. We brought every truck, every engine that they have. They'll never put out the flames of hell. It burns for all eternity. Not only that, I also want you to see this. His family is condemned. Notice here in verse 28. For I have five brethren. He may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. Listen, from the very flames of hell, I can tell you what those individuals, the, those that are damned for all eternity, you know what they're yelling out? Christian Baptist Church, you that are still alive, you that are still living, please don't stop telling your family members. Please don't stop telling your friends. Tell them all. We don't want them to come to this place. It's a horrible place. It's a horrible place. Boy, if you want to know what the greatest missions conference is right now, it's probably taking place in the flames of hell. Because they are hoping and desiring that churches just like this one will get a burden. Not only get a burden, but get a passion. Not only get a passion, but get a determination that you'll do all that you can and beyond your own powers in reaching this world and even our own country with the gospel. Either we cry now, Oh, we'll cry later. Last of all, I'm going to close with this. Look with me in Matthew chapter 27. Not only do we see the cry of the Christian and the cry of the condemned, but last of all, the cry from Calvary. Matthew chapter 27. As you're turning there, I'll quote this verse. You'll find it in your King James Bible. It's Luke 23, 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified Him. Now, I don't know about you, but I love that place called Calvary. You say, why, Brother Saunders? Because that's the very place that my Savior went and bled and died for me. He bore my sins. I'm the one that deserved the cross. I'm the one that deserved to die, yet He took my place. And He took your place. Here in Matthew chapter 27... The Bible says here in verse 50, Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. What did he cry out? It is finished. It is finished. You know, you know what he's saying? He was saying this, the work I came to do, it's been done. The debt that has been owed, it's been paid. See, in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice. And they had priests. How many of y'all would love to see your pastor in a, in a robe? I think he'd look good. Amen. He's already got the beard. I, th I, th I think he'd look pretty dignified in a robe, don't you? All in favor, Satan. No, I'm just joking. Okay, listen now. 
let's just say your pastor was the high priest. E each of us, I use this couple, you'd have to set aside a lamb, a spotless lamb, no blemishes, no broken bones. Then you would take that lamb with your wife and your precious. It's only one, one girl right now? Okay. I, I love watching her daughter. She hop skipped all the way to the children's <laughs> church. Anyway, y'all would come with your, with your daughter. You come to the high priest. You would put your hand upon that lamb's head as he would slit the throat of that lamb. He would catch the blood in the basin. Then he would sprinkle that blood upon his forehead, upon her, and upon the daughter. And he'd take that blood and he'd slip behind the veil, the holy of holies. And he would sprinkle that blood upon the mercy seat. And it was a sin covering. They had to do it over and over and over again. Here's the other known fact. If the high priest had sin in his life, God would strike him dead. He said, well, what if he died back there? Well, they tied a rope to his ankle. There were bells on the bottom of his robe. As long as everybody heard jingle bells, everybody knew everything was okay. But if it went quiet and that rope was taut, we would pull him out. Dr. Deems, we'd draw straws for who's going back in there. We'd have to take his robe off and one of us would have to put it on. But I don't want to go back there because I know what I am. I'm nothing more than a sinner saved by grace. But I don't want to go back there because there's a holy, righteous, sovereign God and His presence is behind that veil. But here in Matthew chapter 27, look at me in verse 51. I want to read this verse. Boy, I want you to catch it now. When you see it, boy, it's going to click real quick. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent twain from top to bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks did rent. You say, Brother Saunders, what veil is that? That's the place where you and I couldn't go before. <laughs> oh, but hallelujah. See, Christ was the Lamb, the ultimate Lamb, and the high priest. And He took His own blood to the mercy seat. And when He put His blood upon His mercy seat, that, that debt was paid in full. And He rent that veil in twain saying, Come one, come all, and see the face of God. Come one, come all into the presence of a holy, righteous, sovereign God. But as you and I enjoy the presence of God in a service like this, under the preaching of God's Word, right here in our own country, there's men and women who sit in darkness. So I have a question for you this morning. We've already seen the cry of the Christian, the cry of the condemned, and the cry from Calvary. Christ has done it all for us. Now what will we do for Him in reaching our own countrymen with the gospel? I say cry now because later will be too late. This is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask my family if they'll go to the piano, grab those mics. They're going to sing a song this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. I asked you this morning, how many of you have lost loved ones? Will you raise your hands again this morning, please? Will you keep your hands up just for a little bit? Can you see them in your mind's eye? You know who they are. You know where they live. And I have a question for you. Will you cry now or will you cry later? See, it's someone else's father and mother who's waiting out west that needs to hear the gospel. 
It's somebody else's son or daughter who's waiting out west to hear the gospel. It's somebody else's nephew or niece that's waiting to hear the gospel. It's somebody else's neighbor who's lost that needs to hear the gospel. And if they don't hear the gospel and they die within their sins, they'll open their eyes in the flames of hell. I say, let's cry now for our own countrymen. I'm going to invite you to find a place in the altar this morning and weep over lost people. You may be here this morning, you say, Brother Saunders, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. You may put your hands down. You may be here this morning, you say, Brother Saunders, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. For all I know, I have no idea where my soul is going when I die. I, Brother Saunders, I'm concerned about the destiny of my soul. Brother Saunders, I have no idea where my soul would go if I was to die. Preacher, would you please pray for me with no one looking around? Would you slip your hand up right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you. I just simply want to pray for you, preacher. Please pray for me. Would you slip your hand up right back down? I just want to pray for you. Preacher, please pray for me. I'm concerned about the destiny of my soul. God bless you. I see the hand. Anybody else? Preacher, please pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. I don't remember a time. God bless you. I see the hand. Anybody else? Preacher, please pray for me. I don't know where my soul is going when I die. This is what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to ask your pastor and pastor's wife to come stand here in the front. And this is what I'm going to invite you to do. For those of you that are saved, come find a place in the altar and beg God, Lord, will you give me the courage and the tenacity to reach others with the gospel? But for those of you that are lost, you don't know where your soul's going, why don't you take your pastor or your pastor's wife by the hand and allow them to take you somewhere privately and open the Word of God and they'll share with you how you can know that heaven can be your home. Listen, I promise you, hell ain't worth it, friend. Heaven's to gain. Boy, I'm excited about going to heaven, but yet you sit there in fear. You don't have to live in fear. Why don't you come and meet the Savior today as we stand to our feet, as my family begins to sing. Why don't you move right now? Find a place in the altar. Cry now or cry later. Many die in heathen lands. Why don't you trust Christ today? Take your pastor by the hand. Altar still open. Why don't you move? Why don't you move right now? They need someone to tell them of your mercy, love, and grace. Lord, take my heart. I place it in your hands.
can be our prayer. say this this morning if you're lost today I want to to encourage you if you don't know where your soul's going when you die I want to encourage you with something please I beg you after the close of the service come find me or Pastor Sexton We, we would love for the honor of taking the word of God and sharing with you how you can know that you know the heavens, your home. Christian Baptist Church, may I also encourage you, don't let time slip away. Call those loved ones that you've been praying for this morning. Set up a time where you can go and meet with them. You say, Brother Sarnes, I've already met with them before. I've already given them tracts. I've already shared my testimony. But why give up? The Bible talks about how some plant the seed, some water, but God gives the increase. Well, you never know what God could have done in the time that's already taken place. Don't give up on them, my friend. Try and win them to Jesus. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop weeping tears. My youngest son, I will tell you that my wife and I prayed for him for years. It was just last year that I watched my own son, a pastor's kid, walk down the aisle and was gloriously saved. Don't stop. Don't give up. Cry now because later it will be too late. They're going to sing one more verse. If you need to come, why don't you come? If you're lost, come today. Trust Christ as your Savior. If you're still burdened about somebody, why don't you come? They're going to sing one more verse, and we'll close. You move. You do as the Lord leads.
Dismiss us, Lord, as we go our separate ways. Bring us back again tonight, Lord. And I pray, may we just worship you and all that you do. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I say one more thing? We also have our display out front. Please go by there. Grab one of our prayer cards.